Three wins in a row. Is anybody adding Detroit to your list of teams that you trust? As we head into a Trust Me Tuesday, baby, we're asking you, which three teams in the NFL inspire the most confidence and trust and faith? I know we're only through week 11, which is why I'm not asking you which teams will make the Super Bowl, because that question's boring and annoying. So it's Thanksgiving week. We're nearly... On the verge of week 12, I cannot believe it. I seriously cannot believe it's Thanksgiving or it's week 12, (laughs) but we are. It's for reals. We're into the World Cup. We're actually about the quarter pole of the NBA and the NHL seasons, which is crazy enough, too, NBA being a little bit ahead of hockey. It's all happening so fast this time of the year. It seems like the earth spins even more rapidly on its axis. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. This hour, QB News, as well as your candidates for TD of the Week. We are definitely going to get yelled at for excluding some of the best touchdowns from Week 11. So follow us on Twitter, After Hours CBS, or on our Facebook page. And thank you for those of you who are checking out our brand new YouTube video in honor of Thanksgiving week. Now, we tried to incorporate a flare of all of our favorite things about the holiday. Okay, so, and it's really not just Thanksgiving, so don't feel that way. It's heading into the holiday season. And I know many of you many of you have already seen it. You're liking and subscribing because that makes sure that Jay has a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, it's titled The Holidays Are Here because we went with family, friends, food, fun, football as the reasons to make this brand new video edition of Ask Amy Anything. So check it out on YouTube. The link is pinned to the top of our Facebook page. I just retweeted it not that long ago from Twitter, um, A-Law Radio or After Hours CBS. I don't know how much longer Twitter survives, but we're going to promote the heck out of our other social media sites until Twitter dies. We are live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance yours, Rocket Mortgage can help you get there. For home loan solutions that fit your life, Rocket can. Juanatabe spinning left of the lane. Nice pass for Irving who kisses it off the glass. Puts it through. Nets lead at 106-98. Nice assist for Juanatabe and Irving now has 14. That is our friend Bob Usler. We haven't talked to him in quite a while. Good to hear him on the call, filling in for Chris Carino on Nets Radio. It was a relatively smooth and easy re-entry for Kyrie Irving on the basketball court as he returned following his suspension from the Nets. Uh, He did play against the Memphis Grizzlies on Sunday night, and he ended up in the starting lineup 26 minutes. Uh, They had a handle on this game for a good portion of the time, but 26 minutes, he had 14 points, five rebounds, no assists actually, which was odd, but a steal and a block shot and was able to get his sea legs back under him a little bit in that win. But he was not allowed to get back on the court until he had publicly acknowledged not only the damage and the harm caused by his actions going back a couple weeks ago, by now you know the story, but if you need a refresher, he was watching videos on YouTube and he came across a particular video that he shared. He said he did watch it. He found it on Amazon and he shared it. It was a documentary. I'm not going to repeat the title because it's offensive, just the title to me. And it it does include anti-Semitism in it. It includes... 
theories that includes propaganda as offensive as identifying the Holocaust as fake and as something that was contrived by the Jewish people, which is unbelievable considering that millions of people died in the Holocaust. And so Kyrie initially was allowed to skate. Uh, He said he didn't necessarily agree with everything that was in the documentary. After a few days, he took it down because of pressure from the Nets and the NBA. But when the Nets put him in front of a microphone, it was a post-game interview or post-game press conference, they didn't like what they heard. He didn't explicitly apologize. He didn't say the words, I'm sorry. He continued to talk about his platform and his people and his purpose instead of acknowledging the damage and the harm, instead of acknowledging the hurt that he had caused simply by sharing this. Even then, the Nets and the NBA were not planning to take any action. It wasn't until... They put him back in the practice gym and allowed reporters to question him days later. Remember, they kept him under wraps for a few days. Even after games, they didn't want him to be speaking because they were so upset with how that first press conference had played out. Finally, they allow him to be questioned by reporters again, and they're even more dismayed. It was after that last public session in which Kyrie declined to say I'm sorry, but more more offensively to the NBA, to its leadership, to the Nets, the fact that he refused to say that he was not anti-Semitic, that he refused to say out loud those words, that he's not against the Jewish people, not against Hebrew nation. The Nets had had it. They released a strongly worded statement. And there were, of course, comments from the front office, from the owner, about how they could no longer support him. And that Kyrie refusing to apologize and refusing to say I'm not anti-Semitic was the last straw. That they'd given him every opportunity, but he did not represent what they stand for. So the debate had continued for days. Kyrie was away from the team. He missed more than five games. So initially it was five games at least. Before he returned on Sunday, he did an extensive interview with Ian Begley, who covers the Nets for SNY, a television network in the state of New York. And he did finally say what the team wanted him to say. And you can decide if you believe he comes across as sincere. Now, you can't decide whether or not he's being sincere. You can only offer your opinions. But does he come across as sincere with his apology? I'm sorry to not only the Jewish community, but to my family members and to my relatives, uh, because they know I stand for something bigger. And I'm grateful now I get to explain myself. I've had so many conversations with all of our races and cultures and religious Uh, groups of people uh, just trying to better find perspective on how we live a more harmonious life. I'm a man who stands for peace. I don't condone any hate speech or any prejudice. And I don't want to be in a position 
where I'm being misunderstood on where I stand in terms of anti-Semitism or any hate for that matter for anybody in this world. He said, I'm not anti-Semitic. I never have been. I don't have hate in my heart for the Jewish people or anyone that identifies as a Jew. I'm not anti-Jewish or any of that. And it's been difficult to sit at home with my family with them seeing all of this and having questions. I will say that I can appreciate that angle. I, I can't appreciate Irving being stubborn, um, sticking to his guns, being ready to die on this hill to the point where he only had to utter the words, I'm sorry. He only had to say, this is not who I am. A week earlier, two weeks earlier, and he probably would have avoided a suspension. And yes, there were a lot of people supporting him, feeling like the punishment as well as the hoops he was forced to jump through, all of that was too harsh. But part of the reason that the Nets and the NBA dropped the hammer so drastically is because Kyrie refuses to do what's asked of him so often. He has to do it his own way in his own timing. He doesn't want to admit when he's wrong until something's been taken away from him. He's stubborn. Stubborn to the point of choosing a path that he know, he knows goes nowhere. He knows that all it results in is ticking people off, alienating his coaches and his teammates, and yet he'll do it anyway, simply because he is not going to follow the crowd, number one, number two, He's not going to take orders from anyone in authority. Let's be fair. A fan of Kyrie or not, he does not respect authority figures in most cases. And he's made that very clear with coaches, with captains, with the Nets management. He routinely disappears, doesn't tell anyone where he's going. Yet Kyrie doesn't feel like he should be accountable to anyone most of the time. But when it's his family, and again, I would feel the same way, when it's the family and when they're feeling the brunt, when they're coming under fire, when they're questioning your actions, when you have to look them in the eyes and explain why, then it becomes a different story because these are the people who know you, who love you the most, but also are willing to tell you to your face when you screw up. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. Irving has done a lot of talking. He's had a lot of conversations with community leaders of Jewish organizations. We know that he's pledged money and support to some of these organizations as well. And he's taken the time to listen, which can be powerful. Just a lot of conversations. I don't want to get too deep into the details of those conversations, but they were very moving, very impactful. Um, And it helped me become more aware of the repair that needed to be done, the healing that needs to be done still. Here I am just really acknowledging the fact that it hasn't been easy. Some of it has been painful. Uh, just learning about, you know, the history between uh, different groups of people. And it's given me a greater perspective. Kyrie missed eight games. Again, it was initially five at least. So an indefinite suspension is how it was billed. He missed eight. He was able to return on Sunday after serving a suspension for the, quote, harmful impact of his conduct relating to his social media posts. He sounds as though he's contrite. He sounds sincere. 
I believe his apology comes across as authentic, but honestly, that's Kyrie. He's a salesman among his many other talents. He is very persuasive. He can be a leader in that way, which is why this was scary. Because Kyrie does have such a great impact. He has a powerful voice. You can hear the emotion. You can hear the passion. You can hear all of that in his voice, just as you can see it on the basketball court. And so that's why this was dangerous. That's why he caused harm. Because people follow Kyrie. He's a natural leader. He doesn't always use that in the best way. And sometimes he doesn't want to be a leader. Let's be fair. Kyrie sometimes balks at that responsibility. But he does. He sets a tone. And so now at this point, as he's asked about looking ahead by Ian Begley of SNY, he's striking a more hmm, a more amiable tone. One that would be unifying and bring people together. Obviously, I didn't want to be away from my teammates of the game or from work, but I'm grateful that I was utilized as a beacon to start this dialogue and start these conversations so we can move our world forward. Uh, But again, this isn't a solo act. This is going to be a community effort, and I'm going to need everybody at home to help. Kyrie goes on to say, just try to find a better perspective on how we live a more harmonious life. He also said he never once thought that his basketball career was in jeopardy. He never once thought this was the end of his relationship with the Brooklyn Nets. But he's in the final year of his deal. And you wonder how this may have impacted him and his future with the team. I guess you could look at it from the outside and say there was very little chance that the Nets were going to resign him because they declined to give him a long-term deal going back a few months ago. He chose to opt in because there was no other team that was going to pay him what the Nets are paying him in this final year of his contract. But I would think that his future is very much up in the air. He now has a track record of being not one who brings people together, which is what a captain, a leader, a point guard is supposed to do, but the opposite. He drives wedges in locker rooms, with coaching staffs, with teammates, with fans. Going back to Cleveland, I know he was the the man who hit the game-winning shot, the championship shot, game seven against Golden State. There's never been a question about his offensive talent. There's been a question about his heart. There's been a question about his desire to play nicely with others. Everything you ever needed to know you learned in kindergarten. Yeah, that's not Kyrie. Teamwork. That's not Kyrie. Kyrie does what Kyrie wants to do. And very often, that's at the detriment to his teammates and his coaches. Cleveland, Boston, now Brooklyn. There's a track record. This is a pattern with Kyrie. Maybe this is a wake-up call. I hope for him that it is. Again, I think he's very talented, and he's also got a huge platform. He can reach people that... Some of his teammates cannot. He can reach people that the NBA cannot. And unique to Kyrie is that he's okay without basketball. Now, he's probably not okay without the money he makes from basketball. That allows him the freedom to do what he wants most of the time. Those guaranteed contracts in the NBA and all. But he's okay 
leaving basketball on the table. Remember last year? He felt strongly about not getting the COVID vaccination, and he didn't. To the point where he was willing to sit out an entire season if that's what the Nets asked of him. So his future is very much up in doubt, or up in the air, excuse me. It's very much in doubt. But he believes that this can be a positive. It can be a springboard. I really want to focus on the hurt that I caused or the impact that I made uh, within the Jewish community, you know, putting some type of threat or uh, assumed threat on the Jewish community. I just want to apologize deeply uh, for all my actions. The difficult aspect is just uh, processing all this and understanding the power of my voice, the influence I have. Um, I'm no one's idol, but I am a a human being that wants to make impact and change Um, in order to do that. Uh, have to live responsibly and, and set a greater example for our youth, for my generation and the older generation. Kyrie Irving with Ian Begley of SNY. Can I tell you something? And I'm being completely honest. I'm not a fan of his. I think he's irresponsible. I think very often he puts himself above the team. In fact, most cases, it's Kyrie first, team second. He's done damage to locker rooms and teams. And he comes across as very selfish and self-centered. But as I hear him speak, especially that last chunk, I hope for him that this is a turning point. I hope that his his mistakes and his time away have caused him to recognize the damage that he did, the harm that he caused, and the ability that he has to do that, but also recognize the ability that he has to do good. He's got a gift a gift of a platform, a gift that comes along with being a dynamic basketball player, a world-class basketball player. He can use that in so many positive ways. But right now, all anybody thinks is about Kyrie Irving and this post and his refusal to back down. I'm not a fan of his. I, I haven't been a fan of, of how he handles himself. But I sincerely hope that for his sake, For his family's sake, this is a point of maturation. This is him coming face-to-face with not only his own basketball mortality, but with the fact that as an adult, you have to own up to your mistakes. This is what it means to, to be an adult, to be mature. To be humbled, it's human. We all humiliate and embarrass ourselves at times. We all make mistakes. I'm so glad that social media did not exist when I was growing up and making stupid mistakes and causing people I love pain. But it doesn't mean I don't remember. It doesn't mean that I ever completely forgive myself. And I hope that Kyrie uses this moment and these weeks that he looks back on them the next time he's tempted to put Kyrie first, the next time he's tempted to take irresponsible action, the next time he's tempted to say something that can be controversial. I hope he looks back and realizes, again, the power of his voice, the impact, but also his ability to do good, his ability to stir up harmony, which is a word that he used in this conversation with Ian Begley. This failure, this the situation in which he fell flat on his face. And I mean flat on his face. Every possible way he could have messed this up, he did. It's not the end, though. 
He still has an opportunity to play basketball. He has three quarters of a season ahead of him. And there's so much time for him to change the narrative. There's so much time for him to prove to people he's not just blowing smoke. And I hope that he does take the opportunity to do exactly that. His story's not done. Is he ready to write a new chapter? We will find out. If it's same old Kyrie or if this is a turning point in his life and his career. You can find me on Twitter, ALAW Radio, also on our Facebook page. So glad to connect with you over the NFL, over the World Cup. Sure, over Kyrie, if you have any responses. Coming up following the update, we'll get into the latest edition of QB News. It's been a while since we've done one. Um, but also ahead, if you think about what's to come on Thanksgiving Day and the games that we have on Thanksgiving Day and the implications of these games on Thanksgiving Day, I think you're going to want to be close to a TV. I mean, uh, I don't want to ruin your Thanksgiving or anything, but if you call yourself an NFL fan, I don't think you can miss this triple header. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence. I kid because I care on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. It's a touchdown Tuesday on After Hours. Firing for the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. Touchdown. Takes it himself to the pylon. Touchdown. One man to beat 10. He's gone. They throw in the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. Hey, the guy missed. He's inside the five. He's to the three to one. Stop. The center something into the end zone. Touchdown. To cast your vote for the TD of the week, head to at After Hours CBS on Twitter or give us a call at 855-212-4227. The Kansas City Chiefs. Ball was snapped on the near hash. Chiefs load up three to the left side. Mahomes crossing pattern caught. Kelsey, 10-yard line, 5-yard line, touchdown! Kansas City! Will Kelsey do it to the Chargers again on a crossing pattern? A touchdown! And now Travis Kelsey, a 17-yard touchdown reception to take the lead, plus his 33rd 100-yard receiving game of his career. The most by a tight end in National Football League history. The Philadelphia Eagles. Three receivers right. Two left. Hurts. Takes it. Starts to run. He's got the first down. He's got the first down at the six. Game on the line. Hurts in the gun. Hurts takes the snap. He's back. He's going to run. He's in. Touchdown. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts on the quarterback draw. Scores and the Eagles can take the lead with the extra point. The Las Vegas Raiders. Carr, play action again, looking downfield, lofts it near corner. Adams wide open at the five. He walks in, and the Raiders walk off with a win. Touchdown, Devontae Adams, to win it here in Denver. The New England Patriots. Tenth punt of the day for the Jets. Marcus Jones returning for the Pats despite an earlier ankle injury. He waits on the right hash mark of the 25. The snap, waist high. Pressure-free punt. And it's a good one. Forcing Jones to backpedal right side at the 16. 
Stabbed left, ran it right, down the sideline, to the 40, to the 50, to the last left of the 45, beats the punter to the 35-30, Marcus Jones down the middle to the 10, into the end zone! Touchdown! No flag! Touchdown, Patriots! Oh my gosh, I honestly have no idea which TD I'm going to choose as touchdown of the week here on After Hours, and I have no idea which way this poll is going to go. Each of these are game winners, and we had to eliminate Lamar Jackson's fourth quarter touchdown that put the Ravens ahead of the Panthers, uh, finally. We had to eliminate a 103-yard kickoff return for a touchdown that is an NFL record breaker by Cordero Patterson of the Atlanta Falcons. These are all game winners in the final 90 seconds of Week 11 battles. Mitch Holtis on Chiefs Radio. Travis Kelsey with the game winner against the Chargers. 31 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Merrill Reese on Eagles Radio. Jalen Hurts gets into the end zone, excuse me, with the game winner in the rally past the Indianapolis Colts. Only a minute 20 left in the fourth quarter of that game. Jason Horowitz on Raiders Radio. Devontae Adams literally delivered a walk-off from Derek Carr. His second touchdown catch of the game comes in overtime on the road in Denver. And finally, Bob Sosi, Scott Zolak, the New England Patriots Radio Network rookie, Marcus Jones, on the 10th punt of the game by the Jets, takes it 84 yards to the house. The first punt return touchdown in the NFL this season. He gets into the end zone with five seconds remaining, and that was your game winner. No, seriously. Producer Jay, which way are you leaning? This oh is I, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> it's tough not to initially think the New England one is like one of the craziest endings to a game I've seen. But then you look at all the other options and they're all pretty damn good themselves. But... And we left out Jamal Williams, who had three yeah. touchdowns, Samaj Pirine and the the uh, Bengals who came back against the Steelers. We also left out the Bills in Detroit. They were trailing until late in the first half when Josh Allen went to Stephon Diggs. Uh, my goodness, we left out some acrobatic touchdowns too. How about Brandon Ayuk going? Going 39 yards. I mean, this is t- Tony Pollard going 68 I was say yards. Him too, had a big yeah. play there. How do we leave any of these out? But Twitter only allows us four options. Maybe Elon Musk will change that as well. So the yeah. poll is, <laughs> and actually, this makes it more enticing, I think. The poll is up as usual on our show Twitter after our CBS, and we post this one just as Mortification Monday is ending. You may have two or three minutes left to vote in that poll. So again, check it out on our show Twitter after our CBS and also on our Facebook page, and we will reveal your TD of the week on our Hump Show, which actually will be Jay's last show of the week. I'm actually working the Hump Show, taking off Wednesday night into Thursday morning so that I can bake and be ready for my friends giving and then I'll be back on Thursday night following a triple header in the NFL. Uh, Jay and I were talking about this a, a couple hours ago. We were doing some show prep on the phone. Maybe we were doing show prep on the phone. I don't really remember. Um, we, <laughs> we mixed in some work. We were talking about Thanksgiving and where we were two years ago at Thanksgiving. And I remember I did a road trip with Penny. I drove all the way to Atlanta. It was just me and Penn and we spent Thanksgiving week with my best friend from high school. We've been friends since we were 13. 
Um, and I remember that I didn't tell anyone because I didn't want people to be criticizing me for going out of state because it was COVID, right? And it, it was an amazing Thanksgiving. It was exactly what I needed for my mental health, for my spiritual health, for my emotional health, to be able to spend that week with someone who I love so much and known for such a long time and her family, her parents I grew up with. Anyway, I said to Jay, where were you Thanksgiving 2020? And he couldn't remember specifically And I said, where were you when the Ravens-Steelers game was canceled? And he said, oh, I was working that day. Oh, that's right. (laughs) I remember exactly where I was when Steelers and Ravens got canceled. So, yeah, that was a huge disappointment on Thanksgiving night, though. You know what we did instead? At Stephanie's house in Atlanta, we watched Die Hard, and we had the debate about whether or not it was a Christmas movie. It was fantastic. So what's your side? (laughs) Yes, it is a Christmas movie. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, we agree on that? Absolutely. There's no there's no other okay, answer. Okay, good. No other good, I like it. So looking at the schedule for this upcoming Thanksgiving, it's different, obviously. We're talking about a triple header, but all of these games have great implications. I love it. And that's the way it's going to be the rest of the regular season because the teams are so bunched together. So week 12 kicks off with the Bills back in Detroit, this time to take on the Lions. So a three-game win streak for the Lions. The Bills are tied at the top of the AFC East, but all four teams are bunched together, separated by just one game. So every single step in the AFC East is critical. The Giants and the Cowboys in the NFC East, where, again, every team is above 500. But the part that is crazy is that the Cowboys lose an overtime in Green Bay. They demolish the Vikings. And now they take on the Giants back home in Dallas, of course. Same record for these two teams in the East. The Giants desperately need a win. And their ball control style can cause problems. They just can't turn the ball over. Right? So, Cowboys-Giants. Line them up. That's your middle game. And then finally, Patriots, three-game win streak on the road at the humiliated Minnesota Vikings. We heard Justin Jefferson talk about how critical that game is and how embarrassed They are. Man alive. Every single one of these games has implications. And do you know something else? The only team that's playing on Thanksgiving without a winning record is Detroit. The other five teams all sport winning records. So that should add to the drama and the excitement of your turkey dinner. But also uh, your football. Family, friends, food, fun, football. And that's my order. You can pick a different order. That's also the theme of our brand new YouTube video, a version of Ask Amy Anything with your holiday-themed questions. So check it out on YouTube. On our Facebook page and on Twitter, we want you to vote for TD of the Week. QB News is next. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Hurry back to throw. And it is. Is it lost? Oh, my goodness, it's lost. DeAndre Hopkins caught it. Back from under center. Steps back. Throws the fade. Cooper Cup's got it. Touchdown, L.A. Burrow back to throw. Looking, firing deep for Chase in the end zone. He's got it. Touchdown. Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Mahomes fires for the end zone. Caught. Touchdown, Kansas City. Hand off to Eckler again. No, Herbert keeps it. End zone. Touchdown, Chargers. Herbert with his second of the day. Here's the snap. Josh going to keep it himself and run it again inside the five into the end zone. Touchdown, Buffalo. Josh Allen, nine-yard touchdown run. The Bills respond and then some. It's time for QB News on After Hours. 
Just a little bit of QB news to sprinkle in to this edition of After Hours. Oh my gosh, I just got the funniest tweet. Jay, you're going to laugh, but I'll get to that after. If you haven't yet voted for TD of the Week, the poll is open on Twitter, After Hours CBS, also on our Facebook page. And we certainly could have chosen some options from the San Francisco 49ers, like a pair of touchdowns with George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel going 39 yards up the left sideline. It was 159 rushing yards for the Niners in Mexico City against the Cardinals, but Jimmy Garoppolo efficient. He doesn't throw for huge yardage a lot of the time, but four touchdowns, a QB rating of near 132. He was on the money, and Kyle Shanahan knows it. I think Jimmy's doing a great job. Uh, I I think Jimmy always has. Uh, When when Jimmy's um, been healthy out there, we've had our guys around him. I think he plays at a very high level, um, and I think he did that today as good as he has. So we're very fortunate to have him. I suppose you noticed that the stadium just went bananas when you stepped on the, on the field. Do you need to send a message to the Mexican fans? <laughs> go, go ahead. Do I need to? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Do you need to do that? I love them, man. The Mexican fans, they were nuts. Uh, but we love that, you know, as a, as a team, just to get us going, the passion that they were yelling with, the uh, energy they were bringing. It was a fun night. And, um, yeah, I loved it. I haven't played in the atmosphere or anything like this. It was electric. The fans were nuts. They were cheering throughout the whole game, which uh, you know, it seemed like a soccer game at some points. Just the, the passion that they brought and everything like that. It was, it was really cool. I would love to do it again and you know, appreciate Mexico for everything. Jimmy Garoppolo had the fans whipped into a frenzy. Uh, if you ask Ronaldo why that happens, and there's, there's Garoppolo invoking soccer and the atmosphere there. Well, Ronaldo has the reason why. To be good looking helps too. <laughs> can't say it of course but if Ronaldo tells you that Jimmy G is a looker well then you know it must be true my goodness so funny what did Kyle Shanahan tell us recently after Garoppolo was mobbed by the cheerleaders at a Golden State Warriors basketball game well I'm used to that it happens all the time with Jimmy Garoppolo (laughs) maybe that's what the Mexican fans were looking at It's After Hours here on CBS Sports Radio. The other end of the equation, Colt McCoy starting for the Cardinals for a second straight game. No Kyler Murray, really limited with that hamstring as well. And obviously, this was frustrating for him. Now, the the Cardinals did go 8 of 16 on third down, and he had over 200 yards passing, but they were overwhelmed by that defense. He was sacked multiple times, and they ran out of gas in the second half. I didn't think that the Niners confused me one time tonight. I knew what they were doing. They showed me a lot of different looks. Um, and so that, that's a bummer, right? You feel pretty good about it, um, but we just didn't make enough plays. We've been here for two days. The, the people have been super nice. Um, you know, it's just a bummer. We didn't find a way to win that game, but um, San Francisco played hard. They're a good football team. And we just didn't make enough plays. So, uh, but for the crowd, for the atmosphere, uh, being able to play internationally in Mexico City, I thought it was fantastic. There were plenty of chances. It's not as though the Cardinals weren't hanging. In the first half, they were only trailing by the seven points, uh, 17-10. And then their defense bears as much responsibility because they were unable to slow down the Niners. And I've said this before, I will say it again. 
do not underestimate the talent or the depth of that Niners offense and the number of weapons that Garoppolo has at his disposal. And you know what he does well? He facilitates. He distributes. He works the options. It was very evident. And it is now as they found their rhythm, a three-game win streak to the top of the NFC West. It's After Hours, CBS Sports Radio. In the NFC North, we're seeing Justin Fields break through. The wins aren't coming yet, but Matt Eberflus has been singing the praises of his second-year QB, but what's the latest on that shoulder injury? Obviously, you guys know the injury report comes out Wednesday, and right now it's day-to-day. We'll see where he is on Wednesday. So we got time, and we'll see where it is and go from there. You know, we we would just lean on one side uh, of the offense um, as opposed to leaning on the side that we've expanded to. Uh, to a certain degree, um, so I don't. I think that would be a pretty easy transition. You know, Trevor is obviously a very smart individual. Um, you know, a very good passer. Um, so has a great grasp on the offense. He's been here since day one. Uh, high functional intelligence. So we're, we're we'll be excited about that guy. Ibra Flues refers to Trevor Simeon, who is the backup quarterback to Justin Fields. But that offense won't go without Justin. It's built for Justin now. They've tweaked it to take advantage of Justin's athletic ability and his ability to run the football. That's not Trevor Simeon. So we'll see about the Chicago Bears moving into week number 12. Same thing about the New York Jets. Not only was Zach Wilson inept against the New England Patriots, but a lot of his postgame comments really rubbed people the wrong way. Oh, it was really windy out there, guys. And now, with the Jets taking a step back and twice losing to the Pats, head coach Robert Sala says everything is on the table. Question everything, including quarterback. I'm going to get to the tape and just evaluate everything, and uh, I'll leave it at that. We're keeping everything on the table over the next couple of days. So you're you're not committing to Zach as your starter for Sunday? Not right now. Not until I'm done evaluating everything. Ooh, that's not what we typically hear from Robert Sala, which is why it is drastic. Yeah, three weeks after saying that Zach would be the starter for the Jets the rest of the year, except for an injury, Sala is backpedaled and is not committing to the second-year QB who could start against the Bears. Well, there's your tie. He could or he could not. It could be Mike White. It could be Joe Flacco. But the Bears and the Jets. I got the best hands on the team, so I got to win. Oh, gross. Okay, Kyrie Irving. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, so there's other injury news that we will get to. A surprise cut in the AFC West. But want to transition quickly to college football. Wasn't that long ago the Volunteers were undefeated and the number one team in the college football playoff rankings. But it has gone from bad to worse, adding injury to insult. They get blown out by South Carolina on Saturday. And head coach Josh Heupel acknowledges they have lost their Heisman Trophy candidate at quarterback. Hendon Hooker is done for the season because of an ACL. Hate it for him, um, just how much he's poured into it and, and the competitor that he is and uh, how much he's grown. And there's not a, He represents everything good in college, college football. And a young man that, that's learned how to become a grown man, uh, that does it the right way, that cares about his teammates, that's grown outside of the game, that's grown inside of the game, that's you know, put himself in a position to have a great, great future in the game too. And, um, you know, just uh, hate that we don't get a chance to go compete with him again and that he doesn't have that opportunity. Um, you know, for him, his future, he'll, he'll make some decisions here um, during the course of this week. And 
um, you know, start moving on as far as getting healthy, and, and uh, we're going to do everything that we can to help them in that process. There's never a time when a torn ACL is a positive thing or it's it's not quite as bad as it could have been in, in another situation. There's really no degrees to a torn ACL, but it certainly does suck that Hooker was still out there on the field in the fourth quarter of a game that was completely lost, right? There was no chance they were going to rally. The, the Volunteers gave up 60-plus points in this game to South Carolina, and there he was on the field in the fourth quarter, and it was a non-contact injury, and he's a 24-year-old senior. He was a favorite for the Heisman Trophy. In fact, he may still be in New York. I'm not sure how they'll handle that, but he was rolling left. I mean, it was just a simple option play, one he's done a thousand times, and it seemed like his, his leg, his foot, got stuck in the turf. Uh, he lost control of the ball right away, went to the ground, and you could tell that something was wrong. So big reason why Tennessee had this turnaround under Josh Heupel because he transferred from Virginia Tech, and we'll see what happens moving forward, but you hate it for him. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio.